0: Women Way. We are the show that tackles tough topics sometimes, uh, not so tough. But today we have one of those uh, that I think is is a difficult topic to comprehend. It's difficult for me, um, but maybe that's because I'm just kind of naive about it. So we're going to find out more. Our guest is a uh, doctor uh, Elaine Davis, and she has uh, worked in uh, uh, the field of communication, especially uh, human communication and cyber communication. And uh, she actually just contributed a chapter to a book uh, that's called The Dark Side of Communication, uh, published by Peter Lang. And I don't have that book, Dr. Davis, but I'm eager to get that one. May I call you Elaine? Absolutely.
1: Mm Absolutely
0: great thank you for joining us and uh you're joining us from Oklahoma State University area and so uh, you know i i've been through South- oklahoma w-
1: southwestern,
0: southwestern oklahoma state, oklahoma
1: state, university.
0: state Univ- university yep <laughs> yep and um what do you, what do you particularly like about being in oklahoma
1: the beautiful thing about Oklahoma is the weather is always changing. I just came from a two-year stint, two stint out in California where it's always the same, but Oklahoma, you know, you wait five minutes, the weather will change, So, and there's really great people out here.
0: Yeah, where the wind comes rushing across the plain, isn't that what the song says? And it is absolutely so. true. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I, I was born and raised in the Midwest in Ohio, and uh, people don't don't appreciate uh, that mi- our Midwest area as much as they th- I think they should. Um, so, okay, formalities uh, getting out of the way and the niceties getting out of the way, let's start talking about cyber stalking and cyber harassment. What's the difference, or is there a difference?
1: I- there is a difference. And there's a bit, I mean, when we talk about the difference, we have to look at the legal definitions of both. Um, although cyber harassment is encapsulated within cyber stalking, they are somewhat unique. And the unique factor comes down to two or three very basic premises. The first is that cyber stalking has to infer, or instill fear in a victim, and that's based on the reasonable person standard. So if, for example, you say to someone, I love you, they might not think that, oh, well, that's not fear-inducing, that's not scary. However, if someone sends you 100 texts in five minutes that say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, um, that might instill fear in someone. On the other hand, if you say, oh, I could just kill you, you know, there's a difference, and it's really frightening because with cyber-stalking, especially through text message or Facebook posts or anything like that, you can't really get at the heart of fear and in terms of tone. So if I say to you, Heather, I could just kill you, that's one thing. But if I say, Heather, I could just kill you. That's completely different, and unfortunately, yeah. when you're you know when you're typing in characters, that's kind of hard to distinguish. Um, a second yeah, There's criteria, no emoticon so, that really
0: can tell you the difference between those.
1: Exactly. I mean, I've seen emoticons that you know mean one thing, and then I'll show it to someone else, and they'll be like, "Oh, that means this." So, I mean, yeah, exactly. are very helpful, right? Uh, the second criteria is repetitive. Um, It can't happen just once. It has to happen more than once. So it has to be um, if I say I love you one time, that's not a big deal. But like I said, if you're looking at someone who sends a hundred I love you's in five minutes, yeah, that's repetitive. The last criteria that we have to think about cyber stalking versus traditional stalking is that it has to be through some form of electronic communication or electronic technology. Um, Cyber stalking often people just think it's through the internet and that's not true people can stalk you through the use of your GPS in your car they can connect a device under your car that tells them exactly where you're going um, also, in terms of cyber-stalking or electronic communication, a lot of times people don't think of their phone, you know, text messages and uh, video messages and things like that. So a lot of times when people assume cyber-stalking, they assume that it's through the Internet, but that's not necessarily the case. It's all forms of electronic communication.
0: Hmm. Uh, um, those, those when are the I was a little... Yeah, when I was doing a little little research on cyber stalking I came across a, a government website, I can't remember which government, um, but it was a government website and um it I it kind of uh typed cyber stalkers as the obsessive stalker, the delusional stalker, the vengeful stalker. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with those terms and do those uh, yeah. have any
1: the well, when we're talking about cyber stalking, I mean there's a lot of different typologies out there the you know the vengeful I mean when we think of stalkers, we often think of you know delusional, we often think of vengeful, but it can also be a jilted lover. it can be a family member, you know so cyber stalking isn't reserved for the creepy person who you know loves you and then leaves you, but it can also be, like I said, family members. It can be a coworker. worker um, The scary thing, if you ask me, about cyber stalking is sometimes you don't even know who it is. So to, to label them vengeful or delusional or, you know, you know, there are, like I said, lots of typologies out there. But, you know, until you know who that person is, it's really hard to put a label on them. They can hide well, and behind, it seems to me know, that,
0: that there must there must be kind of a, a fine line. I know um, uh, not too long ago at a psycho- professional psychology group that I was at, there was a big discussion about whether employers should ethically Google potential employees before they hire, um, mm-hmm. and I kind of thought that was, Interesting because apparently I'm, I don't I don't have any ethical qualms because of course I would Google them, you know, just to see what's out there. But apparently not everybody thinks that that's an appropriate thing to do. Um, so am I borderline stalking if I would Google a potential employee before I hired them for a professional position?
1: Well, I think that's a really interesting point because. I work on a college campus and I, you know, I talk with my students and they say, oh, yeah, I totally cyber stalked him before I went out on a date with him. And so they use that term like it's no big deal. And I always tell them, hey, 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 now be careful there because cyber stalking is a crime and you don't want to be convicted of a crime, do you? And so we have to educate that cyberstalking is not simply just checking someone out online. You know, in most cases, you know, it's something we should do. If you're gonna go out on a blind date with someone, yeah, maybe you should check them out. But cyber stalking, no, that's not what you're doing. You're you're just doing your due diligence. And I think the same is true of employers. You know, we should use the Internet to check out people. We should use the Internet to check out our potential babysitter. You know, those are things that we should be doing. On the other hand, when you take it to the next level, which is sending, you know, a potential employer threatening messages saying, you know, you better not turn up for the interview or else – now, that's cyber-stalking. So I think we need to be very careful with that word. And unfortunately, you know, it has become part of our common vernacular. So, you know, we, we need to really make that distinction of what is cyber-stalking. And again, you know, fear, repetition, and electronic communication. That's what cyber-stalking really is.
0: If you'd like to join us in our conversation, please give us a call, 646 378 Zero four three zero. 430 that's 646-378-0430, and I have the chat room open as well that you can go to, and um, give us, uh, you know, some idea of what your experience or your understanding of uh, cyber stalking and cyber harassment are. So, okay, so you said cyber harassment is kind of different, and it comes under the cyber stalking. How is it different?
1: The okay, so with cyber harassment, it doesn't necessarily have to involve a specific fear inducing threat. If someone contacts you incessantly, you know if somebody bombards you with messages, that can be harassing. It doesn't necessarily have to you know induce fear, so again, this hundred times I love you might be annoying it may be aggravating but it's not necessarily fear inducing that's what we mean by cyber harassment Um, in schools for example um, some people refer to this area as cyber bullying so it's again it's not necessarily causing that fear it's just annoying it just won't go away so if someone keeps asking you out for a date you know you're not necessarily going to be afraid of this date asking, but on the other hand, you know, if it does get to the point where, you know, you just can't, you know, you want to turn off your phone, you want to change your email address, that would be considered cyber harassing.
0: Okay. All right. So the big difference is whether one creates fear in you. Correct. Um, Okay, so if you are afraid, if something in this message, if something in this, this uh, haranguing uh, contact leads you to believe that something worse is going to happen,
1: mm-hmm.
0: then yes. it crosses the line from harassment into cyber-stalking.
1: Yes, and it doesn't okay. necessarily have to be fear of your, for yourself. They might be threatening your pet. They may be threatening your family members. That would also fall under the cyber-stalking Umbrella. Okay.
0: All right. Um, so the harassment might cause some emotional distress, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to make you fear for yourself or somebody else or or some other thing. Right. Okay. Absolutely. So it sounds, from what you're saying, is that there are laws against cyber stalking, but not necessarily against cyber harassment. Or does that Me just depend on? The interest- on-
1: and a lot of it depends on you know the state of residence where you are um, if someone from a you know i mean there are a lot of different laws, and unfortunately, there is no consistency among state laws about what exactly is cyber stalking under their doctrine. There are federal stalking laws, however, and so that's where victims can really get the most um the most out of prosecution is through the federal stalking laws um however, like I said, it's a state by state in terms of cyber bullying or cyber harassment. those are you know there are different um state laws that cover those sorts of activities
0: okay um it, so cyber bullying is kind of the going under the harassment that's another word for the yeah. harassment um and yeah. yet. So, and, and I'm just trying to be clear in my own mind. So, cyber harassment usually isn't illegal. Um, it's nasty, and it can be bullying and that kind of thing. But it's not necessarily something that you can resort to the law or to the police for help with. And yet, we see all sorts of news articles about uh, younger people, especially who have been cyberbullied, who end up, you know, taking their own lives or something like that. So, I'm wondering why
1: one should be illegal but not the other. Well, and this is a case of our technology is taking us on a very, very fast-moving train, and the back of the train hasn't caught up yet. Um, unfortunately, you know, technology um, has created a whole new um, need for legislation and laws and protections. And unfortunately, it's just, you know, we we can't keep up. Um, As you know, the governments move notoriously slow. The courts move notoriously slow. And so a lot of states haven't caught up yet. So that's the issue. Um, Luckily, you know, more and more states are getting on board and passing legislation, so, again, the best thing that people can do is resort to federal laws. However, if your state does have state, legis- um, state legislation or state laws, definitely use the state resources.
0: Hmm. Okay. All right. So we, we we started talking a little bit earlier about the types of stalkers, cyber stalkers. Um, I mean, I mm-hmm. think we usually think of the um, – person who doesn't want to and let the relationship end one of the people does mm-hmm. want it to end and says it's over and the other one goes no it's not i can just give this person back if i just let her know how much i care you know that kind of thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: is that Absolutely. a typical stalker cyber stalker the,
1: the what's really frightening is that about 52 percent so a little over half have been in an actual intimate romantic relationship or when i say intimate it doesn't necessarily mean sexual but it means that they have had some sort of deeper connection with their target and so when we think about you know the jilted lover but it can also mean you know a coworker a really good friend um but 48% of um cyberstalkers are unknown so it's about half and half right now so it's not just romantic relationships, and it's not just those deeper connection um, that we have with people. But it, you know, it, about half, less than half, are the unknown stalker the, that I've never met this person. So we need to be careful of everyone, I guess. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess so. It's that mm-hmm. the world we live in, isn't it? Um, yeah. When we're talking about the romantic one, um, does that include, I mean, we hear about this happening a lot in divorce cases, um, and, mm-hmm. and I have not seen any statistics or read any studies about it, but it would seem to me that this might happen a lot in cases where there was abuse in the marriage. Is that Absolutely. in your experience? Do you have any information about that?
1: The yes." Um, for me, that's my area that's my wheelhouse. Um, I really look at people who were in a romantic relationship. And what I've found through my research is that people who have had physical abuse in their relationship, emotional abuse in their relationship, and psychological in, abuse in their relationship really do, um, in those three things really increase the likelihood that after the relationship has terminated that there will be cyber stalking.
0: And yet I don't hear a lot about this. You know, obviously I, I do a lot of research, and I see a lot of research on domestic violence and intimate partner violence, et cetera. I haven't read a lot about the cyber-stalking uh, part of that. I have seen some coalitions against domestic violence that uh, publish information about how to protect yourself against that, um, but I haven't seen a lot of it. Is is this an area that's just now um, becoming better known, or am I just out of the loop?
1: Well, I think what's happening is that, like I said, technology is moving at a very fast rate, and so a lot of the national organizations haven't had the opportunity to really fully flesh this out yet. So, for example, when they do the national um, oh boy, the national victimization study of women. Um, Back in 2010, I, I believe they do it every five years. Right now, what they'll ask is, you know, have you um, have you been stalked? Have you been, you know, have you been stalked by someone you know? How did they do it? And so they ask, you know, phone calls, messages. And so they kind of lump all of these behaviors together. And right now what I'm doing, what other researchers are doing, is we're trying to tease out, okay, what's going on? So I think now that we're getting to this point of, gee, technology is having an impact on our relationships. Let's take a deeper look at it. And so um, a lot of times we look at, okay, up until, what happened up until the relationship ended? And so, um, you know, we'll see that there is, you know, domestic violence. And when I say violence, I mean physical violence or emotional violence. Okay, that's going on in the relationship, and that's what caused it to end. But then we stop looking because oh, the relationship's over. But now we're seeing that, you know, what happens after that. Um, anyone who's been in a domestic uh, violence situation will tell you that the relationship doesn't end when one person leaves. In fact, the 24 hours after a partner leaves a, um, a physically abusive relationship is the most dangerous time. So, we need to be looking what's happening after. What is you know what is a victim going through afterwards, you know, and with the you know with the advent of the internet, um, you're seeing more and more, for example, revenge porn going on where people take you know, photos or images or videos that were se- sexually or that are sexually explicit that were taken during the relationship that were only supposed to be shared between you know, the two parties involved. But then they break up and someone says, You know what? I hate you. I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin your life and they post these pictures all over the internet.
0: Well, you know, I'm 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 old, I'm long in the tooth now and um so my attitudes might be a little bit different from um like my daughter's attitude for example. Mm-hmm. But I always said that if I ever went to, the I, I was married to a physician, and so I know what, you know, why what, why they they come in with a camera, you know. <laughs> and I always said that if I ever went to the doctor for something and he said, hold on, I'm going to come back with my camera, um, I would just go running the other direction because that means there's probably something that's textbook worthy worthy about what you're going through. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel the same thing. About intimate relationships, you know. I mean, if you, if you're in a in re- intimate relationship and suddenly somebody says, "Hey, this is a really great idea. Let's put this on on video," I I would run the other way. Um, I mean, <laughs> you.
1: Uh, I would agree what, with you. I would totally agree with you.
0: <laughs> what are people thinking? And and it seems like you know the, the people my daughter's age. I mean, they they just don't see anything wrong with it at all. And I just think, are you kidding me? I guess I'm just really an old fart at this stage, but I just, I would think no, red flags all over the place.
1: Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. However, I think that we're seeing somewhat of a cultural shift in terms of what, older folks like you and I would go, you know, nudity, you know, should be reserved for private moments. But more and more, you know, you're seeing things on television. You're seeing things, uh, you know, in movies where it's no big shakes to show your privates. And when I mean privates, I mean your breasts or your butt and, you know, you see it on national television. And so I think younger generations are just becoming more comfortable with their bodies I think they're becoming more comfortable with who they are. And so for them, you know, it's not that big of a stretch to say, oh, well, you know, I'm seeing it on television. It must be okay. The other thing that we have to think about is that we are a visual society. And so we use, you know, we use the Internet. We use technology as a way of self-validating. And so when you send your boyfriend or girlfriend a picture of you and they say, "Oh, God, you look gorgeous," or you post something on Instagram and people say, "Oh, you look gorgeous," that is validating and that is saying, "Yes, you are attractive." So, if someone says, "Hey, let's do something sexy," it's not that big of a it's not that big of a leap that you and I would think it is.
0: Huh. Well, I can see what you're saying, and I understand that. Um, but gosh, at some point, doesn't kind of common sense have to, of course, you know, if you're talking young people, they don't develop common sense until, you know, long after they think they have, I suppose. Um, But yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, I don't know, some of this stuff is kind of like, you know, driving into a a high theft area and leaving your car unlocked. I mean, it's like, this defies common sense. Um, But as you said, maybe that's just i a, I'm a, 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 a product of my generation, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But does this kind of openness then contribute to more opportunities for harassment? I mean, you, you mentioned <laughs> the opportunity for the jilted person to post these pictures on the internet. Can anybody? Yeah, think absolutely. That that's a problem?
1: The I I think the biggest issue is that we need to reinstate this notion that there are certain things that are private there are certain things that are um, illegal and unfortunately a lot of you know we don't have enough education you know we. I remember 10 years ago 20 years ago we talked about media literacy and how schools should have media literacy courses and part of that is educating young people about what they're doing, and why it's wrong. So, for example, I've read several cases where, you know, young people are sending naked pictures through their texts, um, through text, through camera phones, et cetera, and they are convicted of um, disseminating child pornography. You have a case like that in Washington
0: where one of the school districts had a a huge deal because several, uh, quite quite a number of students, um, were kind of like really everyone was taken aback because the actually I think it was the federal government came in and mm-hmm. basically busted them for doing this kind of stuff. And the kids are just going, Huh? What? What do you mean? Uh it, it just exactly. didn't even occur to them. Yeah. That they were doing anything. And that's anything.
1: why we need the anything wrong. Absolutely. And that's why we need more education. That's why we need to alert young people to, you know, This the potential legality. I mean, we can talk about the morality of it. But when we start talking about the legality of it, that's that's where kids are going to get into trouble. So I mean, I I have a hard time legislating morality. But when the legal statute is clear that this is, you know, a this is a criminal act, then, you know, we do need further education. We do need to put this on our agenda as educators.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think that it's you know, and and as we are groping we as a culture are are trying to grasp the import of what all of this means. The technology as you mentioned is just going by leaps and bounds. I was uh, found a, a news article about a Houston mother um and uh, apparently her cell phone uh was used to track her every move by her ex-husband. Mm-hmm. And she she apparently had disconnected the GPS, thinking that that would um, take care of the problem. But no, you know that that all of these devices that we have, we're not even halfway aware of what they can do and how they can work against us. Um, I noticed yesterday Pew, yesterday or the day before Pew Research came out with a report on cyber stalking, and one of the things that they said was that that most people are not even aware. Of how their technology could be used uh, for this kind of thing, and they had a little ten or eleven question quiz, um, and that that you could take to test your awareness. And I was shocked because I got like eighty five percent on this, which you know, I mean, if I or I got, I didn't get eighty five percent. I got like sixty percent, but it was better than 85% of the people who had taken the test. And I'm going, are you kidding me? (laughs) If I, (laughs) you know, that doesn't speak well for the rest of the people who took the test because I did abysmally on it. Um, So I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, we, these these devices have this, this capability, but we don't really even know. So it's not just using a device to stalk somebody uh and follow their whereabouts, but it it's also I mean, I I don't know, you're the expert. How can all of these devices be used? How many ways can they be used for this kind of stuff?
1: The we only have an hour, so I don't think that we can go through all of them.
0: But, I mean, <laughs> well hit the highlights
1: things, for it. Yeah. I mean little things such as if you and I are in a relationship and we break up, but we still have many mutual friends, for example, and I post on Facebook that I'm gonna meet up with XYZ person and you comment on it. Or I'm sorry, you know, another person, one of our mutual friends comments on it. Now you know where I'm going tonight. So, you know, it's technology through Facebook and Instagram and those sorts of things, Twitter, etc. Um you you know exactly where I'm going to be. Um, it can be things such as if we were married and we break up, but we still have the cell phone plan. You can track your phone. So where it says find my phone, and you type in my phone number, and you type in my information. You know where my phone is. And most of us don't leave the house without our phones, right? So, yeah. I mean, there are So many different ways. Someone can send you an email with an embedded tracking device in it so they know every single website you visit. The insidious nature of our technology is that with every new technology, there is a way, there is a potential of someone doing harm. Um, Tinder, uh, Twitter, Facebook, you name it, our phones, our GPSs, Every new technology, and now they're installing phones in your refrigerator. I don't want to sound like <laughs> and really, really, are you kidding but, me? <laughs> but, because you know, if someone, so yeah, what is that? In case you're wants... going to
0: starve to death during your phone conversation, you have to be near <laughs> the refrigerator. I mean,
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> really, if you need to go to the grocery <laughs> store and say, "Do we have enough eggs?" You can look inside and say, "Oh yes, we have plenty of eggs." But you know, if someone gets the code they can, you know, watch you through your camera phone on, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, or your camera in your refrigerator. And, you know, if you wake up in the middle of the night and want a snack and you're in your nighty and you open the door and someone, you know, someone sees you standing oh in front God. of your refrigerator. And so, you know, they can take those images and upload them to these revenge porn sites. And so every new technology... Presents a new opportunity for those who want to do harm. That's what I. That's the takeaway message that I leave my students with: is you have to be wise about your technology, and you have to understand your technology.
0: Well, sure. I can envision, you know, especially as I said with this Pew research, and I thought I, I just did abysmally on on understanding how technology can be used against me, basically, uh, for mm-hmm. cyberstalking, um, and yet, I did better than, you know, 85% of the population that took the test. And Pew Research people are, I mean, they're not necessarily, um, I mean, I would suspect that they have average or higher intelligence if you're bothering mm-hmm. to take the Pew Research, uh, you know, quiz. Um, right. But, you know, so, and and I don't have a clue. I mean, I don't have a clue. So the awareness that we have of how these this technology can be used against us is pretty minimal, I'm thinking. hmm once we Absolutely. do
1: understand
0: it, once we do understand it and realize that somebody is stalking us, what do we? Th- what can we then do about it?
1: The best thing that people can do once they realize they do have a cyber stalker, once they do realize that someone is using this technology to harm me in any way, the best thing that you can do is contact your local law enforcement. Um, there are very very minimal things that really that you need to do and some of them are counterintuitive so for example if you're if if you know your stalker they tell you do not block them from your phone now this sounds very counterintuitive yeah this sounds extremely counterintuitive like i don't want to talk to this person but you want to gather evidence so You want to keep that line open and every time they send you a text message, every time they send you a video, you download it, you save it, you print it off, you put it in a binder, you write the date on it, you do everything, you keep records because what our natural reaction is, is to block them, to not let them contact us anymore. Well, there goes all the evidence. The other thing that you can do is understand your local laws. Understand where you live and what laws are applicable. Because, like I said, there are federal mandates, but each state, like I said, each state has its own unique set of laws. What happens in some states doesn't happen in another. One of the first states to actually um, Passed cyber stalking legislature aimed directly at revenge porn was the uh, state of Maryland, and the only reason that legislation came about was because of a victim. She, you know, she had her personal photos um, used and abused all over the internet by her ex-boyfriend, and she was not getting any relief throughout all of the wonderful agencies that were trying, you know, that she was going to, they weren't helping her. And so she went to Capitol Hill and she got the um, legislation passed. And so understanding that your state although may not be, you know, it may not cover um what you're going through, there are um federal mandates as well. Um, but the best thing that you can do is, first and foremost, um, tell your stalker to stop. If they don't stop, then just keep, keep records. Do not disconnect from that person. Um, don't engage them face-to-face. That can often be very dangerous, records. Um, if they're contacting you on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any of those devices, take screenshots, print them off and keep them in a binder, and then once you feel you have enough, maybe a month's worth of um, communication, take it to your local law enforcement.
0: Hmm. So should you report it to the law enforcement be- while you're accumulating this this evidence, or do you just wait until you have the evidence? I
1: yeah. would start by contacting them first, and then they'll, they'll probably tell you, well, you know, I don't know if there's anything here, that's when you start a community. But you've made contact. That's the important part is to, you know, stay on their radar, let them know that you're there, let them know. Um, because a lot of times, you know, they, they're, they're not aware. They, they're not even aware. A lot of, you know, a lot of the victims that I've talked to said that their, you know, city police didn't even know that there were cyber stalking laws or didn't know. What the statute read. And so local police, state police are often a good place. Um, There's also interstate laws. So if you're in one, if I'm in Oklahoma and my stalker's in Texas, um, there are interstate laws that can also be applicable.
0: Wow. Um, okay, so I want to jump back just a little bit to the types of stalking. We talked about obsessive stalkers uh, that just don't want the relationship to be over, um, but mm-hmm. the information that I have also talks about delusional stalkers. I mean, these people who are clearly have some sort of mental illness. We hear about um, physical delusional stalkers with, that are going after movie stars all the time to marry them or whatever. Uh, we, we read about that in the press, but I don't think I've read too much about cyber-stalking. Um, from a, a delusional stalker um, is that something that's fairly common as well
1: the honestly the delusional cyber stalker is very rare however the the joy of the Internet, if you will, is that we can reach out to anybody. Anybody who has an Internet connection, we can reach out to them. And so a lot of times people will start getting into conversations with people online or even online dating, and they'll assume that, oh, well, this person is chatting with me. I know them. And the delusional stalker may develop that, oh, well, we're, um, we call it a hyper-personal relationship where they, they instantly think that, oh, well, we must be in a relationship, we must be more than friends, we must be. Um, but those are very rare, and like you said, in cases where um, the person probably has some form of mental illness. But I would say they're very rare indeed.
0: Okay, all right. So I guess we kind of assume that that's not that rare. And then the the other one that I read about that seems to me that might apply to- to what we were talking about a little while ago about the domestic violence types of situations, the you know, partner uh, relationships is the vengeful stalker, which, um, and, and I've identified the website where I got this from, it's the government of Kentucky. Um, mm-hmm. So Kentucky, uh, um, uh, I guess their motto is unbridled spirit. And uh, they are actually, they have a website uh, that I thought was pretty, um, Complete and 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 made sense to me as as a person who wasn't you know particularly aware of this, but in their website they talk about the vengeful stalker um, who is going after this the victim because they're angry, uh, it's either real mm-hmm. or imagined, uh, and they want to get even. They want to um, make this person pay and they mm-hmm. cite ex-spouses and disgruntled employees as that type of stalker. Mm-hmm. And that, that particular type of stalking can have a high-end uh, result of some, of some violence. Is that accurate right. in your research?
1: Absolutely. The vengeful stalker is the most dangerous type of stalker. And the, right now the way that the federal statute reads is it talks about fear. Um, but when they talk about fear, they talk about, um, personal fear in terms of, you know, I feel my life is threatened. Um, one thing that we need to do a better job of is um, clarifying that law to talk about fear in regards to fear of my reputation, fear of losing, you know, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry.
0: No, no, I was going, oh, yeah, oh, I can see that, there's yeah. that, that difference there, yes
1: you know and smearing someone's um reputation online as you know you know in this society today you know our lives are lived out online and so um the woman who pa- or who helped get the legislation in Massachusetts I'm, I'm sorry Maryland passed um she was working for a university and her um her ex decided to um Take the images that they had taken together and post them on these websites, and then he wanted to sell a disc of the photos, and posted the eBay for sale, you know, the eBay listing, on her university's website, and so everyone at her university saw it. Now you might not think that oh she's in fear for her life, but do you think that ruined her reputation? Absolutely. Sure. So. Um, that's the vengeful stalker you know you might not fear them in terms of oh they're going to you know kill me but they can do a lot of damage Um, i had another uh, participant in one of my studies talk about how she begged her university to remove her name and her contact information because the her vengeful stalker was plastering her private information, her office information, her office phone number, her office um, website saying that she wanted a rape fantasy, and oh. so is that yeah, and so you know they had creepy people walking around their building all you know for a, quite a while, and the university would not remove her information because they said, well, you have to, you know, your students have to be able to get in touch with you. And so the vengeful stalker finds unique ways to wreak havoc upon someone's life. Now, is that cyber stalking? Well, it's one of those very gray areas because she may not fear for her life, but she definitely feels or he feels for you know fear of losing his reputation and so you know, the like legality of it is difficult
0: yeah so in a in a case like that where there isn't a specific law addressing that situation then that guy just does it with impunity there's there's no bad repercussions for him right
1: absolutely absolutely wow. and that's that's what's frightening and so this train of technology is moving so fast that it's very difficult for us to keep up and legislation to keep up.
0: Wow. Now, one of the other terms that I came across when I was looking into this is cyber spying. What does that have to do? Is that part of, of cyber stalking and cyber harassment or is that something separate? Or how how What is cyber spying? I think it's kind of self-explanatory, but how does it fit in with the terminology of stalking and harassment?
1: So cyber spying oftentimes is using your electronic devices to, you know, access people's information. Well, if you understand where, if you're spying on someone, you know um, you're using the technology to know their whereabouts. Now, this can cross into, um, as some people call it, real-world stalking, where if I know where you're going to be, I can drive over there and I can, you know, find you. I can sure. wait outside of your door, et cetera, et cetera. The, but again, you know, it's one of these very gray areas in terms of legislation. The, so cyber spying may not be illegal, but once they cross over into the real world and I get off work and you're standing next to my car because you've done the spying, the actual presence of you being next to my car, for, for example, if I have an order of protection against you, that could be prosecuted. So it's one of those very gray areas in terms of legality. But cyber spying, you know, we, our electronic devices, you know, tell people where we are. Um, I, me personally, and I tell anybody who will listen, you know, disable the location service on your phone. That way people don't know where you are. Um, also, cyber spying can involve, you know, cameras um there are programs out there that you send someone a link and they open up the email it will turn on the camera on your uh your your laptop or your tablet and people aren't even aware of it and again you know, this I've, is not with illegal. my
0: with my um uh desktop I have the camera, you know, for if I Skype or if I have I'm doing an online, you know, interaction. But I then unplug that camera when I'm not actually doing that that activity.
1: That's an yeah, that's an excellent, excellent, very, very small fix that people can do so easily.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I'm lucky. I have a, one of those those kids that knows you know technology, so he's always coming over saying, "Do this, do this," you know, "Don't do that." Um, right. But not, every, not everybody has, you know, a, a, a 10-year-old knows how to tell them how to do that. Um, in the um, Pew Research Report, it was pretty grim about what people know about cyber security. And I'm guessing that at the base of of, uh, of this cyber harassment and cyber stalking, we need to know about cybersecurity, which is what I was just kind of mentioning by unplugging the camera and what you were saying mm-hmm. about disabling uh, the locator device on your phone. Are there other such uh, security measures that are easy to do that we should all be practicing?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing is, um, for my area of research, like I said, I, I deal with um, people who have been in a romantic relationship, for example, and one of the easiest things that you can do is just, you know, once you've collected enough evidence, once you've done all those things, um, you know, unfriend people, you know, and it's in our society, it's such a bad thing to unfriend people, but unfriend anyone that you no longer have a relationship with and ask your friends to not include you in group texts or group, um, group posts, especially if it deals with your whereabouts. Um, Just being mind, I mean, simply being mindful of what you post, is, is, is important, um, being mindful of, gee, am I, sh- should I take this photo, should I not take this photo? Um, we are, We are a society that really doesn't think twice about living our life online. Being mindful of, you know, if you leave a job, for example, you know, make sure they remove your information from the website. Just being mindful of what, you know, what is your digital footprint. That's the, you know, that to me is one of the most important things that you can do is just being mindful. But,
0: yeah, yeah, and some of that, I mean, if somebody really wants to find out this stuff, you can re- nothing is ever removed once it's been on the internet. Right. It's it's kind of like, you know, scattered to the wind and you may not see it blowing there, but it's still blowing around somewhere. And if somebody's motivated enough, they can find
1: it. Oh, no, absolutely. But I think Um, that we can take smaller, proactive steps.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I see, um, you know, like uh, um, Facebook. Um, One of the things that I do with Facebook and Twitter is to just talk about basically professional topics. I don't do a lot of personal conversing about where i am here or where i am there or if i'm taking a vacation i don't ever say anything about it i don't ever mention a date i don't take pictures that are ongoing i just wait if i have pictures i want to share i wait until i come back and i'm back home and i go oh these are what i saw on my recent vacation kind of thing um Mm -hmm. and some of that just kind of seems reasonable to me um but Mm -hmm. i see so many people that will just share everything i mean I see I see people in hospital waiting rooms that are twittering where they are and what for and I think, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. nothing. Nothing's private. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? I mean, what was it? Not too long ago, the woman twittering while she was in labor, you know, it's like really you can't even focus, <laughs> you know, 100% focus on the baby might not be a bad idea at this point. Um
1: Right. <laughs> okay.
0: One other question that I wanted to talk to you about is um does gender make a difference? What does gender have to do with all these topics?
1: So we often assume that, and unjustly so, we assume that um, victims of cyber-stalking, cyber-harassment are predominantly women. Why do we assume that? Because if you look at um, traditional stalking or offline stalking, victims tend to be more women than men. However, it has kind of flipped a little bit in terms of the fact that men are the targets of cyber stalking um, more often than females. Another issue is that when males seek um, help for cyber stalking, um, once they have been cyber stalked, they're not taken as seriously by police officers and other local law law enforcement. Uh, They also have a hard time getting anyone to help them. Now, what I mean by that is when they do go and seek out different forms of help, they are often ridiculed. They are often, um, name calling seems to be a really big issue. Um, In my research, I have found that um, when men go into like the Verizon store or um, another cell carrier and they say, you know, I need help trying to block this person from my phone, you know, they're called up. Can I say that word? <laughs> they're, you know, they're um called a pussy. They're saying, yeah. "Oh, you what are you, a, a sissy?" Um when they go to ask people at their work to remove them from their website or they ask for a change of email address, they're ridiculed saying, "Oh, you're afraid of a, a girl, really?" So um, I think the way that we treat male victims is much different than we treat female victims, and that's a really that's a really big issue. Um, also, in terms of what I'm seeing lately, is that men internalize the cyber stalking more for, more than women do. So they What's shut down. Mean? They 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 internalize in terms of they won't seek help because I. I I'm, a, I'm guessing at this point I still need to do a little bit more research is that they have tried to seek help and they don't get help and so what we're seeing in terms of the manifestation of male victims is that they tend to um, they tend to um, go to alcohol and drugs as a way of coping with their um, with the cyber stalking um, they have more gastrointestinal Intestinal um, issues, so you know they have um, they have stomach aches, they have diarrhea, they have those sorts of issues more frequently than women do. Um, women have more headaches, not a surprise. But in terms of uh, things such as um, restlessness, anxiety, we're seeing both men and women with those types of issues. But I think for, you know, when we think about victims, we often think about women, and we also have to think about men, and we have to think about how men cope and what kind of effects that these are having, you know, these issues are having with men. So um, gendered violence, um, men and women, all victims are not created equal, and we have to understand that. We have to understand that there are unique um, factors for both men and women.
0: Okay, and we've talked a little bit about your research, but could you give us a little bit more comprehensive uh, listing of some of the research topics and studies that you have done and where we might find them if we'd like to learn more?
1: So um, I've been presenting a lot at national conferences and regional conferences, so the National Communication Association, uh, Western States Communication Association, that's where I'm predominantly um, Showcasing my research. I am also, um, there's like, I think you mentioned the book chapter that I just wrote, which is in the Context of uh, Communication series through Peter Lang. It's The Dark Side of Communication. Uh, and that chapter specifically deals with the uh, physical, emotional, and psychological abuse that we find in. Uh, relationships prior to cyberstalking, so how those factors lead to or can be a factor in cyberstalking or one's um, prevalence to get cyberstalked by their ex. Um, I'm also currently um, putting together three studies. One is looking at the gender factor in terms of how this impacts men and how it impacts women. And the other two articles that should be in press, but I can't say just yet, but they're looking at cyber, the uh, cyber-stalking, the differences between working adults and teens. And the other looks at, uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. The uh, teens tend to cyber-stalk each other, whereas working adults will cyber-stalk just about anybody. Which oh is really? Scary. Yeah. yeah. The, is there a lot? You know, we the,
0: hear a lot about um, internet um, child pornography. Do we see differences in genders between, uh, or in uh, a, a big age gaps? I mean, are there stalkers out there who uh, like are like pedophiles who try to stalk child children, or uh, is there that kind of a context to this?
1: The Unfortunately, that is kind of out of my area of expertise. However, I have done some reading and yeah, sexual um what do we want to call it? Sexual solicitation online. Um I read a study oh, a couple of years ago that said one in 5 children have been so- sexually solicited online. One in
0: 5. Yeah. That
1: that's a, that's a little nerve-wracking. So you know so and, why and the more it,
0: it, your your young kid you have has a computer you put it in the kitchen or someplace where there are people around you know absolutely <laughs> so absolutely you don't let them stay absolutely. alone in their rooms with it i i don't think mm-hmm. you know that's just my my opinion it, it seems like it's just a pandora's box if you're leaving a child alone with a computer um wow you know that's that's amazing. Okay. So
1: well and if if you think about how we oops, oh, sorry, I was gonna say how we live oh, our life boom, online. Right they they have a wealth of information about your child. And oh, that's gosh, yeah. to me and they use that information. They'll say, Oh, you have a dog, I like dogs and they lure them in with the hey, I'm just like you and they say, Oh, well this isn't a creep, this is, you know, someone who is like me yeah. and
0: well, and it doesn't yeah, have to be a child that's, that's lured in like that. You mentioned uh, online dating, and that's you yeah. know notorious for that kind of building connections. I, I think that um, you know one of the things that that's been in my mind over the last couple of years is, first of all, how um, especially younger people who have not who have grown up with this kind of impersonal communication and yet mm-hmm. extremely revealing communication. Uh, we talked earlier in our conversation about how, you know, the <laughs> we, we t- tend to rely on the emoticons to try to convey mm-hmm. how we're saying something when we're writing it in an email or whatever, and that's highly ineffective. Um, but I, I work with, a lot with uh, teens and younger, and their absolute faith uh, in, in their technology is astounding, but also the fact that they don't really understand that there is a nonverbal level of communication that's highly significant. Um, mm-hmm. That Absolutely. really is amazing to me, you know, the, this willingness to just not even count in the nonverbal um, as part of the communication, and yet it seems to be so important Um so, but there again, that's you know, I'm talking as a as an older person rather than a young kid. But young kids just kind of let that go. They they just don't right. uh, realize the importance of that. I think. Um, a lot of times, I think when I read things online or I see comments online, and I think, how did that person say that? How did they say mm-hmm. that? That that helps me evaluate what what the meaning of that comment is and right. I'm missing that. So, yeah, interesting. Well, if people want to learn more about this topic, Elaine, where where can they go?
1: Well, there are several great resources for people online. Um, one of the, if you're on Facebook, there used to be a group called, and I'm pretty sure it's still out there, it's called Working to Halt Online Abuse. Uh, WOE is the name of the organization, and they are fantastic. Um, the organization was started by a woman who had been stalked so it's a great resource Um, also the um, place that i go and get a lot of my statistics and a lot of my um, information especially about local laws what is your you know what is your state law is a place called the stalking resource center and that's at victimsofcrime.org that is fantastic Um, The last thing that I would suggest is contacting your local law enforcement. Um, If if you live in a smaller community, you might need to educate them. But larger cities often have um, at least um, one person manning a cybercrimes unit. Um, But like I said, those are usually larger cities. Uh, Los Angeles, for example, has an extensive Cyber crime unit, um, but smaller uh, smaller big cities like Oklahoma City, where I'm from, um, might only have a handful of people working cyber crimes. So now, when you're talking of, you know, cyber
0: crimes, I, I automatically think of like uh, child pornography. I mean, you see that on TV and things. But you're saying that these cyber crimes units include all these things, uh, the cyber stalking and the harassment and all that kind of stuff, not just what we think of and what we see on TV is, you know, child pornography kinds of things.
1: Exactly. You know, of the cyber crimes units, um, like, for example, Los Angeles deals with identity theft, deals with uh, cyber stalking cases, deals with uh, cyber threats, um, those sorts of things. But like I said, smaller cities might only have one person, and so they might be handling child pornography and cyber stalking. So um, it all depends on where you live. It all depends on... uh, what your jurisdiction has. Um, the small town where I live in, I I would be hard pressed to find anyone who knows anything about cyber stalking, and so um, that's not to say that we have a terrible police force. It's just that technology is moving too quickly, and you know, unfortunately, law enforcement has their hands full, and yeah. you know, when we think about the state of local economies, they just can't afford someone. Yeah. And that's really One other sad. thing, and we're
0: almost out of time here, but I, I I want to make, what is the connection? How often does this cyber stalking, cyber crimes, turn into actual physical in-person crimes? Do we have a number on that?
1: The There is no good number out there in terms of this is exactly how many people it happens to. But just to give you some context, in 2006, the Supplemental Victimization Study said that 5.3 million Americans had been stalked. Now, when we say stalked, that means online, offline, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that was in 2006. In 2010, uh, 7.1 million Americans had been stalked within the last 12 months. And of those uh, 7.1 million, almost 79% Received unwanted phone calls, messages, texts, etc., and 30% had uh, received unwanted email.
0: Wow, they huge problem. Huge
1: at, problem. Yeah,
0: yeah. They haven't Thank even looked so at Facebook Elaine and Davis all that. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for sharing this uh, exc- really uh, in- inter- interesting topic uh, and something that impacts us all, whether we realize it or not. Thank you for joining us, and join us next week on Three Women, Three Ways. Thank you, Elaine David.